Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Oh, such a good listener, such a good listener. That patronizing, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that. But we do it to our dogs and we love them like family, right? Yeah, but I don't think they like that either. They probably well, don't. Some might, I don't know. <laughs> If you have a question about your dog, your cat, your flamingo, whatever animal you have, give us a call right now from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And uh, between your calls today, we're going to have a couple of great guests. We're going to visit with Gideon Kidd. And if you're a longtime listener of Animal Radio, you may remember Gideon Kidd. He was, uh, I believe, nine years old at the time. And his mission is to pet a million dogs. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. And he has yeah. his own Twitter feed, which has, I think, about 100,000 or so followers. He has uh, all these pictures of him petting dogs all across everywhere. I believe his town. Jeez. And when we spoke to him Amazing. last, he was at about 360, 400 mm-hmm. dogs that he had pet. So oh, we'll find out. If... Yeah, I can't wait to see where he's at today. He's a fun kid. He'll be joining us next hour right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on for this hour well, it's not the state that you would expect, because I, I know what you're thinking. But there is a state that has become the first in the country to ban elephants and other exotic animals from, you know, appearing in their state, doing circuses and live shows and stuff like that. So it's not what you're thinking. It's not It's not the state you're thinking. I know it's not. Oh, so I bet you don't know what, what I'm thinking, because I think it is the state that I'm thinking, because they've been doing some pretty amazing animal legislation as of late. Yeah. So, hmm. really? Yes. Stick around for that. Lori will have news at the bottom of the hour. Can we go to the phones now? Let's go to okay? the phones. I want to go to line one that's been blinking for a while now. Poor little line one never gets any attention. It doesn't, does it? <laughs> I believe we have Paul on the phone. Hey, Paul, how are you doing? Just fine. How are you today? Good. How can we help you? Well, I'd uh, like to speak to Dr. Debbie about uh, a allergy problem with my miniature schnauzer. Yeah, you didn't okay. recognize her today because she has this uh, ponytail thing going on, a little pigtail thing. I sound very young. <laughs> What's going on with your schnauzers? Well, I have two, and uh, they're three and a half years old, and one is fine. Uh, after two years of feeding the same feed, I, I feed lamb and rice, uh, pedigree lamb and rice. Okay. She developed a skin allergy. I've had her to the vet three times. I spent a little over $1,000 at this point. Wow. And uh, the vet uh, keeps giving me different medications. Now, there's one medication he gave me for her ears that work real well. Her ears actually, the allergy actually closes her ears up, and it works real well. But she still has problems with her skin. Okay, what does she have going on with the skin? What's it look like? It's red and inflamed. At one point, she lost all the hair on her stomach. And now it's all come back. Uh, I give her a bath every every week when I come in off the road. She, they, the kids stay home with Mama uh, while I'm on the road. Uh-huh. And I give her a bath every week with the special oatmeal shampoo. It smells. It has an odor. Like uh, I even mentioned to the vet, I thought uh, it smelled like um, maybe a uh, yeast infection. Like because, old socks. <laughs> yeah, it does, and her yeah. her fur gets out almost sticky. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, then uh, when I give her the bath, she seems a lot better. The 
next morning, it isn't as inflamed. And then by the time I get home the next week, we start all over again. Okay. So you're trying a bunch of different medical regimens. Has that included, um, you mentioned some antihistamines. Has that included any other type of anti-itch medicines, antibiotics, any other types of products? He seems to be really be uh, hooked on Benadryl. And I, I I don't want her living on Benadryl the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Is there any problem with her taking Benadryl for an extended period of time? You know, there's really not as long as, you know, everything else is healthy. Um, and, and for some pets with mild allergies, there's absolutely nothing wrong with treating them with an antihistamine, um, almost as a sole therapy. The problem becomes when we have a pet that their itch or their skin disease is, is bad enough that that just doesn't do enough. So um, if that's a situation for your baby, then I'm going to say, yeah, I would like to address some of the other things that may be present. And one big thing that you said is that smell, that kind of stinky smell where there's actually like a sticky feel to the skin, there's probably other things kind of tagging along with um, allergies at that point. So allergies kind of trigger this whole cascade of other things in the body, yeast infection, bacterial infections. Um, So there's other things that I would do. And I usually like, at my office, I like to get a little progressive about some of these things. I take skin skin samples, say that a lot of times, five times fast, and look under the microscope because we learn a lot when we look at the surface of the skin. And it may very well be that uh, we need to try an antibiotic round, Um, We may need to try oral yeast medicines um, to treat what is actually going on in that surface of the skin. Kind of like that, you know, that one commercial where those little green guys are dancing around and they're having a good time down in the people's lungs. That's the way I like to look at the skin is that there's other stuff dancing around there that we just can't focus on just the allergies alone. Uh, That being said... <laughs> well, I'm I'm not dissing your vet because, like I said, Benadryl is is great in some situations. But um, and then the other thing we look at with allergies is that we can treat allergies symptomatically. We can't cure them, um, but we can also take a step further and try to find out ways that we can avoid them, um, certain triggers, or we can try to kind of change the immune system a bit to try to make it react differently to those allergens. So for some pets, allergy testing is a way to go, either doing that with a skin testing, um, usually through a dermatologist, um, or through a blood testing. So there's a lot of other things we can try in that realm if we really want to get to the nitty-gritty there. Um, okay. Now, medication you spoke wise. a lot about uh, food allergies. Uh, mm-hmm. She's had the same food all her life. She doesn't get any people food at all. Uh, the only time she gets treats is on the weekends when Daddy's home, and mm-hmm. uh, that's chicken. I stay completely away from beef because I have a pet skunk also, and oh. <laughs> uh, the skunk can't eat beef at all. So yeah, food allergies can play definitely a role with you know layering on top of uh, inhaling allergies or what we call the seasonal allergies. So, not nothing's wrong with lamb and rice. Um, it used to be a great allergy diet many many years ago, but eventually pets can get sensitized to that. So, um, it might be worthwhile to switch to a, an alternate protein, maybe something like a duck potato based food or a venison based food, and to go with that for a couple months and see if you know some of the skin signs if there's any improvement because it really can make a difference for a good proportion of, pe- of people, pets out there. I'm having trouble with the peas today. What is this here? <laughs> but I would definitely give that give that a whirl there, Paul. I mean, um, you know, okay, and if you're not happy with what... That's smart or... 
I would work work through a veterinarian because um, we really want to go with um, a special hypoallergenic diet. So not that there's not good general foods out there, but if we're working for allergies, we want to get your pet on the right thing, make sure you're getting the best bang for your buck. Um, and, and your vet, veterinarian can you direct you the best way there. Should my wife not- uh, separate the two girls at feeding time and feed her the, the special diet? I sure would, yeah. One. Okay. Yeah, unless your other pet had the same problem, um, but I don't see a reason because in a lot of these cases, you know, we treat the food as a type of medication almost, so we don't really need to give it to the other dog. You know, we're not going to probably do that. I so, was yeah, so but... happy you people came on to XM. Oh, well, thank you very much. So were uh, we. Glad to be here. <laughs> you're very informative, and you're also very entertaining. Oh, well, good. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dad. Thank I thank you very, very much. <laughs> Paul, we appreciate your call today. I think it's so fun to have brand new listeners. You know, if you're new, we'd love to hear from you. You don't have to call in just because your animal's sick or there's something adverse going on in on in 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 on in your life. <laughs> like stuttering. Spit it out, Hal. It's, like... it's contagious, Hal. <laughs> this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog twos. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between video chat appearances and lap sitting. Red Barn chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And now an Animal Radio news brief. Dog owners are in the majority in the U.S. According to the latest American Pets poll, 52% prefer pups as a pet, while just 21% would rather have a cat. But few people believe in the stereotypical crazy cat lady or man. Just 23% think cat owners are weirder than dog owners. And the feline family rules when it comes to less convention and animal companions. Just over a quarter would choose a tiger if they were to have an exotic pet. Giraffes take second place with nods from about 20%. 18% would have a pet dinosaur. Well, that's pretty hard to come by. you probably pay a lot to get a pet dinosaur. 16% would welcome an elephant into their family, and polar bears are popular among 14% of people. But just 6% think an alligator would make a really good pet. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Just when you thought there couldn't be any more cell phones, how about a cell phone for your dog? PetCell, the first dog cell phone, will soon be on the market. PetCell is a small bone-shaped phone, I'm not kidding, that hangs on your dog's collar. It works like a regular cell phone with its own phone number. You call in an access code from your phone and you can talk to your dog. Lassie, come home now! The phone also has a sort of GPS tracking device that can alert you when your dog strays out of your yard. Now, there's talk of one for cats, too, but I'm thinking most cats would like a cell phone with voicemail so they can ignore you and come home whenever they feel like it. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people, too. Animal Radio.
Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Attention sports fans. Now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow if you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free free installation as soon as tomorrow but you gotta call all american dish right now 800-380-4452 800-380-4452 that's 800-380-4452 you're listening to animal radio if you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Have you downloaded the Animal Radio app yet? We can wait. No, we, we, we actually can't wait. You'll have to do that uh, either while we're yapping away or after the show. It's free, so you should download it for your iPhone or your BlackBerry or your Android device. And you can ask your questions of Dr. Debbie whenever you desire, right from the app. As well as get recalls and notifications that really affect your animals. It's free. Download it now. Head on over to your app store and put in Animal Radio app. And uh, we're going to go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds here. Judy is screening calls. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? Ah, Doing great today. How about yourself? Very good. Where are you calling from? Tyler, Texas. Tyler, Texas. How can we help you, Tyler, Texas? We've got a menagerie of animals at our house and have for years, about 11 dogs and six cats. Wow. Holy cow, you've got a house full yeah. there. Yeah, we, uh, we live out in the country, so it's all <laughs> legal, legal. But uh, we've had this little terrier mix in the family for over 12 years. And she has got a chronic nasal discharge, and it's bloody, and has had for about six weeks. We've had her on antibiotics. We've been working with our, our vet. Uh, even started her on thyroid to help clotting, he was saying. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we've been giving her a little Benadryl with the vet's permission to try to dry her up a little bit. But okay. she just snorts and, and coughs and, and just has a terrible time with this. Oh, also removed her front two teeth because of abscesses. Oh, okay. Teeth had gotten bad and she's older and uh, we figured she had an abscess and that's why we pulled those teeth. And when they pulled the teeth, did that seem to change the discharge in any way or no? Not really. Okay. So as far as, and I'm assuming if they've done all that, they probably also looked at doing some basic lab work? Uh, yes. Uh, we even uh, lavaged her nose out with a catheter and took mm-hmm. some cells and sent them down to Texas A&M, and they were, they were not neoplastic, uh, no, no cancer. But I was curious, is, do dogs tend to develop polyps like people? Mm-hmm. Sure can, yeah. And and actually, what what you're describing with this bloody discharge, we call that basically epistaxis, is the fancy word for a bloody nose. Um, and in an older dog, I'd have to say that some of the things, it sounds like your veterinarian's done a, a pretty thorough job of kind of working things up and getting 
the most likely things eliminated. Um, in an older pet with a bloody nose and all those other things that have been kind of checked out, I have to be honest that, that cancer is still pretty high on the top of my list. Um, and uh, sometimes we can't always tell um, unless we go up there with a scope, look up in the nose, and take a little bit higher or deeper biopsy. So that would still be a big concern. But a lot of times we can definitely see dental um, infections causing a bloody nose, um, and especially because some of those teeth have really deep roots up there, and um, that could certainly you know potentially cause a pet to have a bloody nose. And then I'd say probably the next next thing we see a lot is where a dog might have a foxtail or a piece of grass that's worked its way up into the nasal cavity. Um, and that's where, you know, flushing it out sounds like that's what maybe we're hoping to attempt um, if that was there. But ultimately, we might get to where we have to get, get that um, endoscopy or the scoping um, up the nose to really figure that one out. Um, okay. And you said you're in Texas there, huh? Right. Because another thing we think of in certain parts of the country, and um, you know, perhaps they've checked for it. If not, I would ask about fungal infections as a potential right. cause of um, the nasal problem. Um, there's different types of funguses, believe it or not, in the soil all over the country, and they're different in different parts of the country. Um, out by us, we have one called valley fever or coccidiomycosis um, in the right. desert southwest that's fairly common, and that can potentially cause some problems. So um, there's some blood tests for fungal uh, uh, organisms that you can have done, um, but otherwise, a lot of this really falls to getting a good look up the nose and going up there with that, that little scope to see what we can find. Um, and, and I think some of the therapies they've tried are reasonable. Antibiotics, antihistamines, um, the thyroid medication can help if we're worried about a bleeding disorder, so all of those things sound like they're right along the right line, but I, I I'd really be worried about something a little bit more involved than that at this point. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. Well, give your baby a hug for us, Kevin, and hope that helps things out. Talent Cable, we were talking about common dog behavioral problems like barking, chewing, digging, and separation anxiety. Today we're going to talk about begging. It's a bad habit, but most of the time it's caused by the dog owner. A few years ago, a friend invited me over to his house for Super Bowl, told me I could bring my dog. I told my dog to go down, stay in the corner, and watched his dogs running lunatic all over the house. One jumped on the table and grabbed the ham right off, ran away with it. There's two of them, and he's got no control over either. They've got the run of the house, and they're everywhere. He comes over to me. He goes, I don't get it. How do you get your dog to stay like that? I said, I'll tell you what. What's your biggest problem? What do you wish you could stop right now? He says, begging. I want my dogs to stop begging from the table. And as he's telling me this, he's feeding the dog from the table as he's talking to me. He's giving him pieces of turkey while he's talking to me. I don't think he even realizes it. So I pointed it out. I said, look what you're doing right now. You can't feed a dog from the table and then expect him not to beg. You know, it's got to be one way or the other way. Either he never gets food from the table, people food, or he does. It's that simple. And if he does, he's going to beg. Giving in just once causes a huge problem. In the dog world, a subordinate would never beg from the lead dog. When you teach your dog that begging's okay, you jeopardize your role as pack leader. Before you sit down to eat, tell your 
dog to stay. Create a spot where you want your dog to be. Maybe it's a rug in the kitchen. And before you sit down to eat, tell him to stay. Tell him to go to his rug. You want to teach your dog not to stare at you and that begging is useless. That it's not permitted. If he is staring, put him in another room. If he behaves himself, you give him a treat, but only after you and the rest of your family are done eating. Over time, you'll be able to teach your dog that you are in charge and that begging from anyone in the pack or from any human period is just not permitted and that it's useless. Another good thing to do is always eat before you feed your dog. Then after you're done and you decide to feed him, make him work for the food. Have him sit and stay for 30, 40 seconds before you tell him to have at it. Well, good luck. We're all in this together. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. This is an Animal Radio News Update. And I'm Lori Brooks. There may be more captive tigers in the U.S. than there are wild ones in all of the rest of the world. However, we're not positive about this, but close. Because in states like Texas, no one really knows how many tigers are being kept as pets there. They have very lax uh, exotic pet laws there. So as many as 7,000 tigers still are living in the U.S., but that's either in zoos or as exotic pets. But that is a, a figure that is nearly double the estimated 3,900 tigers that are still lucky enough to live in the wild around the world. So now, does this mean that pet tigers are also endangered tigers? Uh, no. And that's a flat no. And that's because exotic pets are not covered by the Endangered Species Act because the act only applies to animals that are taken from the wild. And most pet tigers actually come from U.S. breeders who have bred them in captivity. Yeah. And so they are still considered pets. It's actually up to the state to deal with these because they're considered pets. The Endangered Species Act is actually federal legislation. And this report is from the BBC, by the way, which noted the majority of tigers in the U.S. do come from breeders with the intent. They're breeding these tigers with the purpose of producing tiger cubs, cute little fuzzy baby tigers for the petting industry that are used in, you know, roadside petting zoos and, you know, parties and big, big events and things like that. That just amazes me. That, I that, know. What a loophole. It's yep. like that big giant ring of fire that tigers used to jump through at the circuses. Uh-huh. It might soon be difficult to have a pet if you are not, and this, this might be you too because it's me, if you're not tech savvy. This according to a new report from the Consumer Technology Association because they asked pet parents what tech devices they are most likely to buy in the upcoming year, 12 months. The most popular answers were interactive pet toys, automated feeders, grooming devices, and GPS trackers, of course. But safety and peace of mind are actually the biggest drivers of future pet tech purchases. And uh, it's not all about dogs, because that's kind of maybe because I'm a dog person, I had that in my head. But of all of those people who own pet tech devices that they talk to, 45% of cat owners use their pet tech device at least once a day, compared to only 35% of those who have dogs. However, 
Both cat and dog owners say that they are willing to use tech to address their furry child's issues. 35% of dog owners say training is their biggest issue that pet tech should solve in the near future. And for those of you who have cats, they say monitoring their pet's nutrition is their biggest priority. Finally, a pit bull puppy in Northern California is being called a hero. And God, is she cute. Sasha the puppy is only four months old, and she and her baby skin sister were born only a few days apart, so they're pretty tight. Now that bond is even a lot stronger after Sasha the puppy alerted the family to a fire that was happening at the neighbor's house and was spreading fast to her own home. The puppy ran inside, darted back the hall, ran into the bedroom and got the baby off of the bed by her diaper dragged her off the bed by her diaper before the mother had even arrived in the room. Wow. Amazing. It's Aww. four months old. Yeah. Pretty smart puppy, huh? Uh-huh. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hello, I'm David Bellamy the Bellamy Brothers, and we're on Animal Radio. Love your animals. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. I don't mean to be rude, Lori, but there's something coming from your your studio. There's like a smell or something. Did you put something <laughs> in your trash can? Maybe. Um, well, I have Patty with me today. Patty's my, my oh. new foster bulldog. Okay. She has what we thought was some kind of impacted anal glands or something. I yeah. mean, where this area just, I mean, it's just leaking what smells like anal fluid. And now that she's seen a vet, the vet seems to think that that could be a part of it, too. But what's mostly causing the problem is a pretty severe infection. Uh, she might have to have part of her, you know, bulldogs don't really have tails. But what part is there uh, might have to be amputated. This oh, right. okay. so. yeah, it's kind of with her a little bit of a corkscrew tail. The yep. the tail exactly. itself, the bones actually push the tail into the skin. So kind of the fat of the butt area. So it kind of pushes the bone deep. So it's really hard. You can't just like a normal dog lift up their tail and clean underneath it. It's embedded in there. So there's like a this little virtual pocket where, you know, just moisture builds up. And it's kind of like the stinkiest of ear infections that you could ever get. Mm-hmm. And it's really itchy and painful. So yeah, it, it becomes a necessary thing. It's not just like a aesthetic thing. It becomes um, important for their health to amputate that part of the tail. Okay, well, we wish Patty the best on that. Please keep us up Thank to date you. on that. Uh, we of will. course, you always adopt and foster, and uh, you never buy a pet. And we encourage you here at Animal Radio to never, ever buy a pet. The most we would ever ask is that you pay adoption fees from a shelter or a humane society near you. You know, I'm involved with one bulldog rescue, and, and, and now I've actually just taken on a second one. I'm working with a friend who is fostering for another bulldog rescue, and it's all three of these rescues together to get one dog a home. Yeah, and it's one breed. So if you're looking for a specific breed, don't tell me I'm going to buy a pet because I want a specific breed. I don't want a mutt. There are breed rescues all over the country. There's no reason you should buy a pet. And plus at the shelters, they have breeds, purebreds. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. And then there's this new trend. This is really disturbing me. 
It's pet leasing. So you walk into the store, the pet store, you see that cute little puppy in the window, and you want that. And you say, well, you know, Animal Radio said I shouldn't buy that, but damn, that puppy is so adorable, so cute. But so expensive. But yeah, so expensive. I can't afford it. And then the salesman comes over to you and says, <laughs> I can make this dog affordable for you. We can lease this pet to you for low monthly payments. Not really discussing the bubble balloon payoff at the end. Unfortunately, animals are treated as property in the eyes of the law and the government. So if you lease a pet and you miss a payment, they could repossess that pet. Now, for us, it's a family member, but for them, it's just collateral. It's very disturbing, and there's great legislation across the country to change that. We're talking with Bill Ketzer. He's the Senior Director of ASPCA Government Relations for the Northeast Region. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you so much. I'm really, I'm really doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here and talking about this issue. How new is this? Because I don't remember as a kid the ability to lease an animal. Right. Um, we became aware of it a couple of years ago. Initially, uh, we worked with the State Department of Agriculture and Markets to try to figure out through their animal inspectors who regulate many of these entities just how prevalent it was. Um, and at the time, it didn't seem like it was going to be something that was going to catch on. Uh, but boy, um, it certainly has. It certainly has caught on. Um, we we found out over you know again through working with that agency, but then also seeing some of the work of uh, uh, the uh, the attorney general here in New York State. We're starting to figure out just how you know prevalent the practice is. Um, there's one local chain um, who was as on record as saying that over thirty percent of their annual sales are from leasing agreements. Oh. Um, so it's it's as you said, it's it's a practice that kind of lures, capitalizes on the emotional connection people feel towards um, you know a, a puppy to kind of lure them in and say, I can make this affordable for you, $50. $50. You can walk out of this store today, $50 down, $50 a month, uh, you know, low monthly payments. And a lot of people don't even know they're entering a leasing agreement. They think it's traditional financing. You know, they think they walk out of that store and they, they own that animal free and clear. So, of course, whatever happens after that, uh, they're paying for veterinary and, and other care. Well, besides taking advantage of emotional consumers, you know, see that cute puppy in the window, and having a third party retain ownership, that's got to raise some ethical questions about who's really responsible or permitted to make important medical decisions on behalf of the animal. It sure does. You know, these contracts, I mean, we have reviewed some of these contracts. Um, you know, there's no one set way to structure them. But at the end of the day, uh, if, if you're not owning the animal, then there is a definite ethical concern as to whether or not, you know, you're actually liable to provide. Of course, you're going to provide the medical care, you know, because as you, as you mentioned, again, uh, these, these are our family members. You know, you're not going to uh, walk away from an animal that needs medical care. Uh, but at the end of the day, they could, you know, if you miss a payment, of, let's talk, we could talk about the default, you know, fees involved for, you know, defaulting on payments as well. Um, you know, they could come get that animal uh, whenever they want. And the back-end question is, where's that animal going to go? Back on the legality of who owns a dog, what if the dog has, like, astronomical vet bills and needs surgery that's going to be thousands of dollars and the owner can't pay for it and doesn't pay for it? What's going to happen to the dog? I mean, is it going to be repossessed? Well, uh, hold on. That's, that's a great question. We're going to take a quick break. We're with Bill Ketzer, the Senior Director of ASPCA Government Relations for the Northeast Region. We're going to find out the answer to that next. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of Petrified. 
Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Rouse on over to animalradio.pet. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. on Animal Radio. Live simply so that others may simply live. If you're trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Well, this song makes me want to go take my dog out to the park right now. A dog that I adopted. I encourage anybody looking for dogs that they adopt dogs. Don't buy that one in the window because, well, might come from a puppy mill. Might be one of those dogs that just has bad behavior because it was raised in a small cage. Or the health might not be paramount because, you know, they're really thinking about the bottom line. Adopt instead of shopping. There's a new trend, a disturbing trend. It's called pet leasing. And on the phone with us is Bill Ketzer, the Senior Director of ASBCA Government Relations Department for the Northeast Region. And we're talking about pet leasing right now. Judy, what was your question before the break? Oh, yeah, I wanted to go back on legality of ownership. And if a dog needs, you know, life-saving surgery that's too expensive for the owner to afford it's just thousands of dollars and they don't pay for it they can't pay for it what happens to the dog who's responsible to save its life does it get repossessed and what happens then great question great question it's uh it's ultimately depends upon what the term the small print in the contract says uh these companies don't want to repossess an animal what they would rather do Typically, um, they'll have either either the lender itself or a vendor that they hire for collections will work with the the purchaser or the leasee in this case to uh, restructure the agreement so that maybe you're not paying as much, but the terms are extended. Um, basically, they're going to try to get you into another contract uh, to make it uh, amenable for both sides. In theory, mind you, you know, sure, it's, it's not amen- it's not it's not amenable to the the the, the pet. Uh, owner, the person is harboring the animal, one way or the other, in my opinion. Yeah, well, they're they're in the business of money, not in the in the business of taking care of animals. Absolutely correct. So there's one company; it's called Wags. So far, they've serviced sixty six thousand pet leases, Jeez. which is a lot. And they say, and not to us because we called for an interview and they turned us down. They say, and they've turned most people down, by the way, for interviews. They say they have never repossessed a pet ever. Which makes me wonder what kind of teeth these loans really have. It's probably true that they've never repossessed an animal because, again, what they'll try to do is they'll work through a collection agency to encourage the purchaser or the leasee to, to restructure the deal so that it's more affordable for them, again, in the short term. 
um, in terms of monthly payments or what have you. But at the end of the day, the dealers are going to be, they're still going to be paying two to three times the amount, you know, that they originally signed up for paying at retail. These animals go for at retail for anywhere from 1000 to, you know, $2,500, $3,500, maybe, you know, even more depending upon the breed. And if you're paying uh, three times that amount at the end of term, plus a balloon payment at the end to actually own the animal, that's, that's real money. <laughs> I would say that's a predatory practice. Absolutely. Definitely. And it's not just about leasing, although, you know, I'm dealing with the leasing front and center right now. Um, it's about the nature of the industry in general. Um, this is a money-making industry. This owned property, uh, quote-unquote, uh, is uh, a living and sentient uh, entity um, that is not a chair. It's not a television. Doesn't shouldn't have to be repossessed. Um, and it isn't something that you just forget about after, like, a couple of years and put it to the curb. This is a a long-time commitment for people. Um, people care deeply about their animals. Um, so to the extent we can point that there wouldn't be this pressure to sell these animals for all this money if you didn't have this, this wholesale, uh, high-volume breeding environment that is you know, kind of coughing all of these animals into these retail systems. The system is broken. It's not the readily uh, regulated. It's not regulated in a meaningful way um, by the federal government. USDA APHIS. As a matter of fact, you know, USDA APHIS right now is making it very difficult for the public to get information from them regarding the source of these animals. Um, it's very hard if you're looking at making an animal. Uh, you know, obviously, we're uh, suggesting that, as you did, that we adopt some shelters and rescue organizations, um, not, you know, purchase or retail. But if you did and wanted to find out the source of the animal or the history of the, uh, the breeder uh, that has sent this animal to the pet store, it's very difficult to do. Um, knowledge is key. Knowledge is power. Um, and uh, I encourage anybody who has a voice, anybody who can put uh, information out there to the public to please inform them about the nature of the industry at large and uh, certainly about these unfortunate predatory practices that uh, retailers are using to help aid and abed um, the industry. Do you think the answer is making pet stores sell or you know, have dogs only from rescues and shelters? <laughs> That's an excellent question. Um, we are leaning towards uh, supporting that type of environment under certain circumstances. We are generally willing to provide for, I guess, what I'll call the PetSmart model, which is that a, a retail environment can provide space um, for um, a not-for-profit shelter or rescue organization for adoptions. But we don't want to turn shelters and rescues into retailers, ultimately. So there's a there's a, little, there's a lot of nuance there that I won't get into, but it, under the right circumstances, um, I think there, there would be a comfort level with that, but it, it has to be done very, very carefully. And you had mentioned PetSmart. There are other stores that do this so that uh, I'm not saying don't shop at pet stores because there are pet stores that bring in the local shelters and the local humane societies to adopt great animals out. Yes, absolutely. If you want to learn more, where can we, is there a website? Absolutely, www.aspca.org. Bill Ketzer, the Senior Director of ASPCA Government Relations, thank you so much for your hard work and for talking with us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was definitely my pleasure. Okay. On the way in just a few minutes, Gideon Kidd, he's making it his mission to pet as many dogs as he can. He's, he's pet at least 340 so far, is that I correct? I think so, yes. Amazing. We're going to find <laughs> out. We're going to talk to him. We understand he's pretty witty, and he's coming up next hour right here on Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Animal Radio. 
Hi, this is Paul Rogers. And Cynthia Rogers. On Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right meow. (laughs) (laughs) Fido Friendly Magazine presents the 12th Annual Cross Country Pet Adoption Tour. Get your licks on Route 66 along with media sponsor Animal Radio and car sponsor Legends Car and Van Rental with companion sponsor Zymox, advocate sponsor Brutus Bone Broth, camping sponsor KOA, and community sponsor Hands On Gloves. The tour travels down America's favorite highway, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events and to raise money. In the first 11 years, the tour has helped to place over 14,000 pets into new forever homes. Log on to FidoFriendly.com to see where the tour stops near you and come out for a safe, fun way to support your local shelter. And who knows, you might just find your new forever friend. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And this hour, Gideon Kidd will be joining us. Remember Gideon? We spoke to him in June. Oh, you weren't here. (laughs) Well, welcome to the show. I'll tell you all about Gideon. He's 10 years old now. I believe he's 10. He was nine in June. So he should be 10. Should be about 10. And he was going around trying to pet a million dogs. This was his mission. This is his goal. It's so adorable. Taking pictures everywhere he went. He would take pictures of him petting dogs and putting them up on the website. That's so cute. Amazing amount of followers on Twitter. I told him we'd check in with him in six months, and it is six months, so we'll find out where he is in his mission to pet a million dogs, and that's going to happen this hour right here on Animal Radio. We're going to go to the phones in just a couple of minutes. Don't forget, you can ask your questions from the Animal Radio app. It's for iPhone or Android or BlackBerry, so go ahead and download that puppy. Now, the other cool thing about that app is if there's ever a recall, you'll be notified immediately. Let's face it, ladies and gentlemen, there's been a lot of food recalls lately, and I, I suspect there will be more. Yes, unfortunately. Last hour, Lori reported about General Mills getting into the food business, the pet food business. (laughs) Who isn't anymore? It's very lucrative. That's why they're doing it. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? You know, I I would bet that it's one of your favorite articles of clothing. Well, not yours, Hal, but probably Judy's and, and one of mine, too. And now they have this wonderful article of clothing that we women love, that they're making it for dogs. <laughs> it's not dog lingerie, you guys is it? I, I, am, I am, no, it's not. But I'm so excited about this because it's a great idea. It's got fashion. It's got a purpose. It's all kinds of good things about it. Oh, why would you guess lingerie? You think lingerie is comfortable for a woman? That's only that's think ladies love lingerie. No, that's they? only something that's excellent point. T- there, it's excellent it's point on and off so fast because it's so uncomfortable. And who wants to wear that? We want to wear something comfortable, don't we, ladies? We want it on and off pretty fast. Yeah, I well, think that's guys... that's lingerie. That's not something that's long term. That's not. <laughs> do you see us? I left the room. Do you see women sitting around <laughs> watching TV and lingerie? No, With I, popcorn and, you know, and their slippers? No. I really don't see women lounging around the TV. It's just me and the kitty pretty no. much most of the time. Poor okay, Al. so on the way, we'll find out what this article of clothing is with Miss Lori Brooks at the bottom of the hour. Mm-hmm. First of your calls. And we go to Jim. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Oh, very good. Thank you. What's going on in your world? Well, two things I wanted to say that you never mentioned before, but I'm sure you'll agree with. When I was younger, actually about late 20s, I had this spot in my living room that was a little bare, 
And I got the idea, you know what would be good there? A parrot. <laughs> so I went out and bought a cockatoo thinking I'd get a nice cage, put a pretty parrot in it, and it'd be a good decoration. Yeah. Boy, did I learn a lesson. I bet. Man, the attention those things need that I learned over the years. And I bet there's still a lot of people who don't realize, especially a cockatoo. Yeah, and they'll outlive you, too, won't they? Yeah, yeah and, and it's like having a kid. Yeah, except they, they don't wanna, go to college. They and... want to be with you all the time. <laughs> At least with the kid, they have a chance of going off and becoming like a football player or a rock star and supporting right. you in your... Yeah, very true, yeah. But but my question was, and I'm sure you get this sometimes, um, I know it's difficult, but have you ever heard of any suggestions to help with a cockatoo as far as the screaming goes? Oh. oh yeah. Oh definitely. And Jim, I'm going to I'm going to chide you on this because a new lamp fills a space in your house, but the pet does not. And oh. exactly, as far as um, birds, um, you know, birds are some of the most needy pets out there. You know, they're flock animals, they're social creatures, and if you were to come into my office and say, "Hey doc, I want to get a first bird for me." What species would you pick? Um, I would certainly not say a cockatoo, unless you had a lot of time to spend. Because sure. these guys, they do. They are like, we call them toddlers, because they do yeah. require constant attention, and they really need a lot of social stimulation, or they'll turn into little demons, screaming, picking their feathers out so they look like a pluck pluck chicken and um so they really are not good starter birds to start with a little bird a little parakeet or a cockatiel might be the better beginner bird for someone yeah so, i learned that lesson yeah. he's learned his lesson dr debbie yeah, he, he, way he off of picking, him. just like you said he started picking his feathers and everything yeah, well, and I'm not trying to, you know, make him feel bad, but for other people that may be considering birds, we want to learn from, you know, other folks' mistakes. So, you know, right. definitely. Um, now, screaming is, it's a hard thing as far as in a parrot to correct. The better way we can deal with this is to prevent it. Um, so that's going to be a lot of making sure we've picked the right bird for our household and that we're providing the right stimulation. But to correct this, you know, we have to look at what is triggering the bird to uh, vocalize. And when they're screaming, you know, some birds are going to scream no matter what a couple times a day. That's kind of a natural bird behavior. We're not sure. going to stop this completely. Um, the thing is to find out what the bird is motivated, what is causing them to scream. And this can be when a When we leave the room, as long as we're in the room and the bird can see us, he's pretty good. But the uh -huh. minute we walk out of the room, he thinks, hey, you get back in here. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, he's just, in, in bird language, what he's doing is he's saying, hey, where you going? No, what yeah. you, hey. And, you uh -huh. know, a lot of times when birds scream and vocalize excessively, the human instinct is, shut up, quiet, uh -huh. don't know that. And, and you are actually responding in a way that actually rewards that behavior if you do that. Because um, right. any attention that you give a bird that screams in the situation, you're actually just feeding that behavior. They're happy you're just acknowledging them. They don't really care what you're saying or your tone, where it's loud or quiet. So th the real big thing there is we need to work on a lot of things environmentally. So a lot of times birds will do this kind of thing also because they're bored and they don't have a lot 
that other stimulation. So sure. there may be some changes we do in the cage. Um, there's a, a wonderful feeding method called forage feeding, where we take away the food bowls and we teach the bird how to forage again, like they do in the wild, where they pick up the food from the floor, and it actually gives them something to do so they don't just sit in a cage and wait for us to entertain them. Um, right. So that's one incorporation I like to do for a lot of different behavior problems for birds. Um, but what we need to do, just like with dogs that excessively bark, is we have to find those opportunities when when the bird is quiet to reward her. And yep. we reward with attention. We speak to her, maybe give a food treat. And the trick is when we are vocalizing and screaming inappropriately, when we we don't want that behavior. You don't pay any attention. You don't make eye contact. You don't roll your eyes. You don't sigh. You don't yell at the bird. You can't even acknowledge it because any of that is actually feeding feeding that. Um, gotcha. And it actually can be very helpful for birds that, that scream if we teach them something else to do besides screaming. So um, I have some clients that don't like their birds whistling, but it is something that can take the place of that screaming behavior. So you mm-hmm. start whistling and teaching them a ditty. Um, if they talk, that's an alternate behavior they can't do while they're screaming. screaming. So we really work on that and try to get that together. And, uh, you know, this is something that it can be daunting. <laughs> it can be yeah. more daunting to deal with a bird screaming, I think, than a barking dog. Um, because, right. you know, some species, they're, you know, conures and, and parrots. It hurts. It literally hurts the ears I at bet. times. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah. the lesson here is is if there's a bare spot in your living room, <laughs> right. perhaps not a cockatoo is uh, is the no, answer. No, no. Don't, don't think you're just getting something that's going to be simple at all it, it doesn't work like that okay jim mm-hmm. thank you so much okay thank good you luck very with that much. we appreciate it one 405 8405 you know i want to mention while it is dr debbie time that oh okay <laughs> your books your <laughs> books are really good i you know i you know i figured oh she's writing some books you know everybody does everybody tries it you know to, to write a book but your uh your books i actually got them from kindle and i have an ipad i don't have a kindle mm-hmm. and there's a brand new application for you folks that have ipads that want to read a kindle book but dr debbie's books yorkshire terrier shih tzus pugs and mini schnauzers how to be your dog's best friend very educational very fun a lot of fun facts and i encourage everybody listening to check them out you were riveted to him you i were was just, I, know. I, I was like our dr debbie wrote this yeah. Holy <laughs> so smart you know a colleague of mine had said that you know yeah i'm reading this book and i feel like you're just talking to me and um it, that is truly kind of how i approached it is is really you know what am i going to tell my friends you know how would i tell my friend who's thinking of getting a pug what are the good and the bad things you got to know so that's how it is now is your chance to talk with Dr. Debbie. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Alan Cable. There's big controversy regarding your pet sleeping with you. We're talking to a sleep doctor who said it's a bad idea and he got lots of hate mail. You know, there's experts on everything. You see them every day on TV. They try to tell you what to eat, when to sleep, where to go, what to do, what to look at. It's ridiculous. The doctor made a good point. He's just trying to help people in this country sleep because tons of us are having trouble sleeping. And he said if your pet is interfering with your sleep, then you should try not sleeping with your pet. That's all he said. Here's the reason I wanted to continue the discussion on this. There are a lot of folks that let their dogs eat whatever they eat and sleep in their own beds because they feel guilty. People like this guy. What can I get you? What's the problem? Why are you crying? Tell me why you're crying, honey. I feel sorry for that poor dog. Why? Because you're supposed to be a calm, confident leader. You're supposed to earn your dog's trust and respect. 
Why are you crying? That dog doesn't know what you're saying. Are you afraid of the camera? He just knows he's getting attention. Now, this person you're hearing is one of my friends, and his dogs sleep with him. He doesn't sleep, but his dogs do. In fact, his dogs run the entire show, and up until just a couple of days ago when I talked to him about it, he didn't see that. He didn't realize that. Now, 20 years ago when I used to tell folks to put their dogs in crates, they thought it was the most horrible thing there was. Putting your dog in a cage. Now it's accepted, thank goodness. The one thing that prevents us all from being good dog parents and good people parents is guilt it cripples you if you feel guilty about not letting your dog sleep in bed with you because he always has and he's whining about it well you're clouded with emotion and you'll never be able to do what's best for both your dog and yourself your dog is perfectly fine sleeping on the floor in a dog pack the leader has his own spot none of the other dogs sleep with him they don't go near his spot unless they're given permission so can your dog respect you when you give up your spot and let him have it probably not and you could be opening up a can of worms for a host of other troubles. So remember, if it works for you, fine. But if you're doing it out of guilt, well, that's the worst reason. Hi, everybody. This is Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And as my friends would say, Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-380-4452. 800-380-4452. That's 800-380-4452. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. (laughs) Is that your dog? Yeah. Coughing? Yeah. It's not coughing. He's got hypoplastic trachea, so he just doesn't get enough air. All the time, huh? Right, yeah. Um, When we had him at the vet and they x-rayed him, they, he said it's his trachea is smaller around than that big pen that I was holding at the time. Well, so Jeez. how does that happen? Is it is it just it's, birth defect? Yep, genetic. Is it because people are breeding these dogs, or is it just a yep. luck of the draw? He came. The people who surrendered him to the rescue said that they had got him from an Amish puppy mill, um, which are pretty common in some areas on the East Coast mm-hmm. um, and Midwest. But they said that they took him to a vet, and I did see his vet records, and they said that um, the vet told them, I'm not sure about this, but they said that the vet told him that he wouldn't live a year. And um, he's now going to be five in February. Wow. So, is, is there surgery yeah. to fix that, or is it just I mean, he's got to uh, live there, with it? He's also got an elongated palate, which is very common in bulldogs. Okay. But... Um, the thing I know, so he's got this elongated palate and he's got this very narrow windpipe or trachea. And so it makes it very difficult for him to swallow things and for, uh, you know, which will get caught in the elongated palate because it kind of uh, crinkles up because it's too long. So that's what he's coughing about there. It, it's a mess. It, it's it's really sad and extremely unfortunate. But because it was a, a puppy mill, they probably didn't care what they were breeding and it's definitely something that should not. I mean, if you have a dog that produces um, dogs with these kind of diseases, then conditions shouldn't happen. What's his outlook? Is it like most dogs? He doesn't realize it doesn't care. He's still a happy guy. 
Yes, that's exactly right, Judy. He's wonderful. Yep. He's he's very, very <laughs> sweet. And you just have to learn, you know, I'm, I was a hospice nurse. I, you have to learn how to care for him. And and he does great. He's he's spoon fed four times a day. Jeez, that's a lot yeah. of work. Uh, not, you know, I guess it's just like if you, you know, had kids. Yeah, <laughs> but this is forever. <laughs> Yeah, well, kids are forever. Well, yeah, but they eventually, most of them learn how to feed themselves. Well, feed themselves, right. Although there are a few. Yeah, if you're lucky. <laughs> uh, so the lesson here is to not patronize the uh, the puppy mills, of course, and especially the Amish puppy mills, which I can say because no one's listening in Amish land. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, any puppy mill is bad. When you go to look for a dog, um, if you're going to buy a puppy, you absolutely, more than anything, you want to say, I would like to see the mother and the father of this puppy. A lot of times they won't have the father and that's because they've had, um, you know, semen that has been flown in from somewhere else to impregnate the dog, the, the mother, but the mother will have to be there on that property in most cases. And if you, if they will not let you see the mother and at least that'll allow you to assess her her temperament and everything if they won't let you see the mother that's a pretty good clue that this is not a legit um you know breeder and that it it probably came from a puppy mill yeah and you also want to see the facility that they came from that the mother lives in and and how they're treated and taken care of right uh i have a friend whose sister bought a labrador puppy or rather excuse me a golden retriever puppy and it was really disconnected, she thought. They actually went out to a garage in, I think it was Virginia, and um, there were several puppies out there in the garage. And they um, they they picked one, and they said, no, that one's already taken. They picked another. And the last one, like the runt, and poor runts, huh? <laughs> um, but the one that they picked, they said, uh, no, oh, she's available, but they had... Um, a lot of problems with her, but because she wasn't with her mother long enough and she wasn't, you know, she was out in the garage and they said it was freezing cold and the mother wasn't even there with her. Jeez. Yeah. Another red flag is when they won't let you meet them at the premises. They want to meet in a parking lot somewhere. That's exactly what happened. I'm glad you brought that up. That is exactly what happened in their case. Mm. They had a separate like kennel Mm-hmm. Uh, on some different property, then they just had these puppies in their garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, red flag. Another red flag. Craigslist. There's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing good comes off a of Craigslist anywhere, anytime. Well, you know what we do in in rescue a lot with bulldog rescue. I know is we will get dogs off of Craigslist, and I, I can't even tell you how many of them are dogs that are used in breeding operations. Mm. In, in very poor backyard breeder uh, operations, but we'll, we'll buy them for a minimal amount, rehab them, and rehome them. Let's see, you're doing it for different reasons. People that are, you know, you don't want to buy a dog for yourself off Craigslist, that you don't have any clue what's going on, where it came from. So, But what you do well, is you take these one... poor dogs that are, you know, look, they're going to do something with them if you don't take them. Right. Um, one of the the most recent ones that we got, this this dog is two, and I swear to you, she has nipples that are probably uh, three inches long. I, I have no idea how that happened, and she's had um, several litters already. Mm-hmm. But um, the the guy who said, you know, here, I'll, I'll give her to you for X amount of money, and he said, and, and if you want a breeder, I've got a stud in the backyard. 
No, we're taking her because we would like to get her out of this situation. Exactly. Oh, people like, I can't believe in this day and age people are still that clueless. You know what? There there are people that, we're into it. You know, this is our job. We're Mm -hmm. constantly around the animals. There are people that uh, aren't, and they may not know that you can get specific breeds through breed rescues and breed shelters. You can save a life instead of uh, right. creating what ultimately may be an animal with behavior problems and other issues. I think people are just more aware now. We have, I mean, it's just a different culture. We have millennials who are changing the world as we look at pets. It's because of them that the pet business is really, not pet business, the, the whole retail pet industry is just exploding Because, in fact, I've got a story coming up about that, how um, they're preferring pets over children. Uh, So you have a story about that coming up? I do. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog Ladybug uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks. And the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. A new study shows that as a whole... Millennials are not really interested in having children, human children, and the researchers are blaming it on their love of pets. The study claims that millennials are less likely to become parents of human children because they are instead focusing on animals, pets. Apparently, 44% of millennials are unsure if they want to have children, but their rate of pet ownership continues to soar. 71% of men and 62% of women between the ages of of 18 and 34 own a dog, while nearly 50% of men and 35% of women have a cat. And according to the study, pets are acting as a substitute for children of millennials, which uh, this, they say, is suspected to be a side effect of the fact that this generation is half as likely to be married than the generations preceding it. So think about it. You can have a pet, right, even if you're not ready to live with someone, commit your life to someone else, or get married, you know, and they also, pets provide great companionship. Millennials are also getting their pets younger than baby boomers did. The average age for a millennial to get a pet is 21. Boomers waited until they were 29. A judge in Missouri has ordered a convicted deer poacher to watch Bambi. Yes, you heard that right. At least once a month during the next year, which he is spending in jail. The man is actually one of four family members implicated in a three-year hunting operation that officials say resulted in the deaths of hundreds of deer. The prosecutor said the family mainly stalked their prey at nighttime, killing the deer and taking their heads and antlers, but they abandoned the carcasses and left them there. The state's uh, Department of Conservation called it a thrill-and-kill sport for those men. By the way, the one-year jail sentence was initially suspended in favor of two years probation, so the guy got lucky. But that guy who now has to watch Bambi, he quickly had violated the terms of that probation, which led the judge to reinstate the original one-year sentence with that additional Bambi twist to it. (laughs) You go. I love it. How can you make somebody watch a movie? I mean... Well, you put them in prison. Make them watch a movie. Make them... I guess he has to visit the place... 
the facility once a month to sit there and watch the movie? Well, what was the original? No, he's, he's in jail. He's in jail. Oh, he's the original. So in, oh, he's in jail. Back in jail. Right. They yeah. have to, they have to play it for him once a month, and he's got to watch it. Maybe they'll give him a test on it. I'm not sure <laughs> what that's supposed to do, though. <laughs> I mean, that's have sy- sympathy for the bear for the uh, there for are Bambi. a lot of Bambi. follow-up yes. cases. There are a lot of follow-up cases to these kind of sentences that say, you know, that's cruel and unusual punishment, or it's like the judge flouting the law. But um, it's it's standing so far. So we'll we'll have more if it changes. Now, women of all ages love leggings, right? I can't be the only one. No, you're so not. You had to know that this was coming. Leggings for your dog. Um, apparently, from the mostly millennials who are into this, uh, say they can be a game changer when it comes to keeping dogs clean. So one well-known brand of dog leggings is called Walkie Paws, W-A-L-K-E-E, Paws. And they actually cover your dog's legs and their feet. And then they, they kind of clip together across their back so they stay put, they can't come off. The part that covers the feet, they say, is like a, a rubber-soled booty, which gives them traction and also keeps maybe chemical-sensitive paws clean and, and dry, too. The woman who invented walkie paws says the company is even considering making matching sets of human and dog leggings in the near future. Okay, you had I, to know I'm, that was coming. I'm getting her on the show. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I got I got to talk to this woman. Um, maybe she'll send me a sample to try on. I don't have a girl bulldog at the moment, but um, I'm sure there'll be a foster coming by soon. So why does it have to be it. a girl? <laughs> um, that's a good point because I guess I'm a woman, and so I thought, you know, it's just mo- I don't see a lot of guys wearing leggings. Do you? Oh, you. Uh, how? <laughs> <laughs> Where's Joey when we need him, right? Yeah. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. Joey, what kind of leggings do you wear? This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at animalradio.com. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Tracy. Uh-huh. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I have Dr. Debbie right here. What's going on? Oh, just wondering about my dog. Tell us. All Tell right. us more. Um, well, I've got a, um, he's getting ready to turn, well, he's eight months old. Getting okay. ready to turn nine months old. Um, he was in the veterinarian getting neutering, and we kept him there to get, um, we kept him there to get um, kind of mended up so we wouldn't have to confine him. Okay. He's a he's a, he's a blue nose pit bull, and I just wondered um, while he was there, he had broken his leg, his back leg, left leg, and I oh, just dear. wondered if they had to put two pins in okay. his leg, and they're going to be there for the rest of his life. Will, will he eventually get um, arthritis in that? Well, I'm a little intrigued. What is what happened to him as far as with the leg? Um, we really don't know. They had him out on a dog run. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. Well, dogs will be dogs. Sometimes things happen, definitely. Now, do you know what area of the leg that the the fracture occurred? I'm sorry? Do you know what area in his leg, in the thigh bone, um, yeah, in, yeah, the it's in the bone? Uh-huh, in the thigh. Okay. And as far as, um, was it something that the bone popped through the skin, or was it just kind of, it's underneath the skin? It didn't... No, it's underneath the skin. They said that them type of dogs get that. Like, they can break them really easy if they jump. Okay. All righty. Well, um, a lot depends on the outcome with fractures, depending on where the fracture's located and, um, you know, definitely things like age um, are to your dog's benefit. Young dogs definitely have a better time healing with fractures. And if they got good pin placement and that went in there and put things back in alignment pretty well, um, if we can keep them quiet, uh, that's also the big thing of postoperatively is really no matter how good they put pins in and fix a, a broken leg, um, the home care is probably three-quarters of the importance in making sure that he gets a good healing and a useful uh, leg there. So um, if if they got good placement and they felt good about those x-rays and there's no invasion into the, the joint area, then I would say I'd have every uh, reasonable expectation that leg will heal um, well. But that being said, you know, obviously something, uh, you've got a pretty active guy on your hands there, so I would make sure we work really hard at keeping his activity post-operatively um, under control. So we want to limit jumping, uh, make sure that he's not running around like a crazy man. Uh, sometimes we'll use tranquilizers even to help kind of facilitate that if we got a really rambunctious fella. Right. Um, well, they try, you know, they tried that, but ever since he's been home, he's actually got his appetite back. And um, But, yeah, he, he is very active, but um, we've just been trying to keep him down and, you know, low-key. So I just yeah. was wondering if he'll get arthritis in that when he gets older. Well, if it's in the middle of the bone, not likely. It's really if it gets close, if the fracture site is close to where uh, any of the joints are, then we might have a little bit more concern with that. Um, but if he heals up fine and uh, there's no reason to remove those uh, pins uh, unless there's a problem or some kind of infection down the road. So he gets to keep that hardware as a little remembrance of his uh, injury. So hopefully all, all sounds like it should turn out well on your end there. And uh, poor little guy, my goodness. And blue nose pits are so adorable. Yes, they are is. some of the best looking pits out there, I gotta say. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, he's very cute. He's, he's laying down right now while he, he's open his eyes because he knows I'm talking about him. <laughs> uh, well, tell him Doc says to take it easy, heal up, and don't get into trouble with that leg anymore. Okay. Thank you so much for your call, Tracy, and okay. uh, hope all is on the mend there soon. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. We're here at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, it's Alan Cable with another dog tip. You're not going to believe what happened to me. I got bit by a dog yesterday in the park. Yeah, I'm just minding my own business, running. This lady's coming at me with two dogs, no leash. I run by, the dog sneaks up behind me, jumps up on my forearm, takes a nice chunk out of there. And she still doesn't put the dog on a leash. Joke's on the dog, though. He's going to get sick from me. I don't know what was up with this woman after the dog had his way with my arm. She still didn't put him on a leash. There were two of them, and just like a pack, one circled behind me to try to attack from there, while the bigger one confronted me in the front. Now, the woman was just yelling and screaming. Dogs are not paying any attention to her, because they're 
they're fraught with anxiety and fear. So what conclusions would you get from this? Well, first of all, the dogs are not socialized at all. They're not used to being around people. And when they get around people that they don't know, they become aggressive. They think that they have to protect their pack, which of course is the woman. Dogs like this should never be allowed off leash, especially in a park. It could have just as easily been a kid on a bicycle or a woman with a baby carriage. Now, it's not the dog's fault. It's the owner's fault. Please, if you're going to get a dog, it's your responsibility to educate yourself and find out what they need to be happy, well-adjusted animals and how to give it to them. It's only fair. You don't want to lock your dogs away from people because they're unpredictable and may bite. If you're thinking of getting a dog, write this down. Socialization, structure, exercise, and affection. These are the four basic needs that dogs have besides food. If you get a puppy, bring the dog around as many kids and people as possible. Other dogs, too. If you get an older dog, you should be doing the same thing unless that dog is filled with anxiety and fear like this woman's was. In that case, you're going to need some help from an experienced animal behavior behaviorist who can show you how to socialize the dog and it's going to take a little work confidence and patience on your part but with a professional a commitment from you consistent fair leadership and time most dogs can be socialized and changed into happy calm well-adjusted animals nature at its best is nature at its simplest at red barn we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single ingredient natural dog treats because mother nature's actually pretty good at this bones are just tasty bones meat treats are just nourishing meat it's nature at its simplest look at the label we want you to red barn natural treats simply the best find it in your local pet specialty store try our slow roasted natural meaty bones this is animal radio baby you're listening to animal radio if you missed any part of today's show visit us at animalradio.com or download the animal radio app for iphone and android It is Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. You can ask your questions. In particular, we're looking about the questions about your dogs and cats and flamingos and ferrets and horses and birds. You know, there's some lizards. Dr. Debbie's well-versed in that area, too. Oh, yeah, lots of reptiles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And we'll go back to those phones in just a couple of seconds, but we have to check in with Gideon Kidd. We, uh, We interviewed him in June. You may remember last June... He was on his way to petting a million dogs. He was mm-hmm. at about 360 at the time. And I told him we'd check in to find out where he is now. And he's joining us. Hi, Gideon. How are you? Good. So the last time we spoke, you had pet about four to 500 dogs, almost 400 dogs. And you're on your way to a million. So where are we now? Um, 715. 715. That's, you've doubled. That's a lot of dogs there. Yeah. How did you pet so many? Did you have to leave your hometown? Did you do some traveling? Um, not much, no. So is your mom still driving you around looking for dogs? You two would go around uh, hunting for dogs and she would stop the car and you'd get out and pet the dogs? Yep. We normally just do the same routine, go in the car, drive around to find a dog, park it out and ask them. We can put them on our website. Well, my, yeah. Has anybody turned you down yet? Um, actually, yes. Really? Yeah. Why? Um, I don't really know. Sometimes it's just, it's kind of weird because it looks like we're stalking them. We have to like (laughs) circle around and, and like see and ask uh, um, ourselves, do we have that dog? That dog is 
adorable and stuff like that. And so when we finally park and get out, they are looking really nervous and like kind of scared sometimes. And I've had um, weird, weird, weird excuses. Like um, one person said um, to us, um, what was it? Oh yeah, um, when I we parked and got out and said, "Could I pet your dog?" He said, "He's going to the bathroom right now. Can't you see?" And so yeah. Well, that wasn't very nice of him to say that, was it? Yeah. Do a lot of people know who you are in town now? Um, I guess not that many, but um, probably enough. Yeah, no, um, pro- only it sometimes happens when I get out and ask to pet their dog, do they know me? Now, you have a dog at home named Walter, right? Yep, and I'm actually petting him right now. Oh, good. He gets he gets the special petting there, doesn't he? Good. I'm glad you're not tired yep. of petting dogs and, you know, poor Walter gets yeah. left out. Does he get jealous? Yeah. Um, actually, no. He It's like he does not smell the um, smells of other dogs. Well, I'm glad he doesn't care. Now, have you ever thought about bringing home another dog for Walter? Um, not really. I'd love another dog. That would be amazing. <laughs> but, yeah. You're going to get him in trouble, Hal. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I I don't want I don't want to do that. How many followers do you have now on Twitter? Um, one, 100, um... 167,000. 167,000. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. And not only do you have um, Walter, but you also have cats at home and gerbils? Yep. Two gerbils. Yep. I have three cats. Stamie, Cherry, Fred. Actually, oh, no, um, just two. One dot passed away. Oh, Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. What about... okay. You also have a Venus flytrap? Um, actually, no. That one passed away. They're really hard to take care of. They are very hard to take care of. You got to feed them? Actually, um, I think you just, like, let them outside, and the bugs will come to them. The bugs will come to them. Hmm. I think so, yeah. Somehow. I don't know. Well, and they, they're really hard to take care of because they need over four hours of sunlight. Wow. That's a lot of Every sunlight. Every day? Every day. Wow. Yeah. Did it ever bite you? Um, no. Never did that. See, mine (laughs) mine would eat me. Okay, so I'm going to tell listeners to go over to your website and learn more about you. The website is ivepetthatdog.com, and we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pat. And, of course, check Gideon out on Twitter. And if you happen to be in town, where, where do you live? What town do you live in? Cedar Falls, Iowa. If you happen to be through Cedar Falls, Iowa with your dog, you want to get in touch with Gideon and get your dog petted, by what is, in my mind, the foremost dog petter in the world. Oh, he's I mean, an expert dog petter. You are. You must be very experienced now as a dog petter. Yeah. Have you ever been bit? No. Good. That's good. I have. <laughs> I got to learn from you how to pet a dog. How do you pet a dog? Well, um, well, first, of course, you ask his, his or his caregivers and his or her, and then you put... Your palm out, come up slowly, not just like, you don't never do, just like run up to the dog, pet it all over, like, oh, but no. You just walk slowly, put your palm out, and let normally let the dog come to you, or slowly come to it. Good advice. I love that advice. Yes. 
Well, Gideon, thank you so much for spending time with us. Can we call you in another six months? Of course. Oh, oh good. You're, are you 10 years old now? Yep. Uh, how old will you be in six months? Still 10? Um, still 10. Still 10. You know, when I look back on my life, 10 was the big year for me. That was the highlight of my life. So I hope yeah. it is for you too, okay? Uh-huh. Okay. Gideon, thanks so much. We'll call you in about six months. Deal. Bye now. Bye-bye. Uh, isn't that adorable? He is so cute. Oh, God. He's so cute. Oh. <laughs> it's time for us to get on out of here and go walk our animals. If you need your fix during the week, head on over to animalradio.pet or download the free Animal Radio app. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.